You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Good. <laughs> I love Pete. We, we had years together. He's amazing. And he's still got the laugh, hasn't he? <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, we're going to look together at four verses in the Gospel of John. Uh, so this is John chapter 20 and verse 19. John chapter 20 and verse 19. Going to read four verses and then just look at this together. I really felt that this was a, a word for you today. It's, it's, it's not usual for me to preach in English. You know, I, I preach in Turkish every Sunday. So if I lose my words a little bit, I apologize. What can you do? Um, 20, John 20, 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he'd said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he'd said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And what I'd like to do today is show you three scenes from history. There's going to be scene one, there's going to be scene two, and then this is scene three. But we can't really understand scene three until we've looked at scene one and scene two. And scene one is called One Evening in Eden. Okay? Because in the beginning, the Lord God created the heavens and the earth. In six days, he made everything. Fish, birds, butterflies, uh, and then, as the crown of all of creation on day six, he made us. And he made us in his image. And he breathed on us and made us living beings and gave us his spirit. And we had, above all of creation, a great dignity and a great honor because we're in the image of God. No one else is. The butterflies aren't, and they're beautiful. And he gave us a commission. And he said multiply and fill the earth. Andrew Wilson, some of you will know, he calls this God's sex and travel commission. Multiply and fill the earth. You're in my image. Make others in my image and then fill the earth with my image. And what we understand from this is that in the old days, if you were wandering through Asia and you came to the border of a great empire, say the Iranian empire or one of these, the Syrian Empire. The, on the border, they wouldn't have like a passport office or a customs or any of that, but they would have statues, images of the king. And so there'd be loads of statues of King Nebuchadnezzar or whatever, and you'd think, oh, I've entered his territory now. I'm in his realm. I'm in his kingdom. And so when we're made in the image of God, what we're being told is, is that we, we represent his kingdom. Wherever we are, that shows that his kingdom is there. Okay. We make the unseen one seen. People look at us and they say, well, the kingdom of God is here. And at that time, it was only in the garden. And so God's commission was, fill the whole earth with my kingdom, with my glory, with my image. Go and spread over everywhere all the chaos and the darkness outside and turn it into a garden. Bring my kingdom there. That was God's kind of mission to us. But we didn't do it. We were like, we quite like the garden. It's nice here. It's scary out there. It's dark and chaotic. And we failed in that commission. 
One commentator says, Adam, instead of subduing nature, was subdued by nature, by the snake. And so we're supposed to bring God's kingdom into the chaos, and instead the chaos came into the garden. The darkness came into the garden. And we were full of shame about this. And there's this verse, which is our kind of scene one, one evening in Eden, and it's Genesis 3 and verse 8. And it's a really important verse. Genesis 3, 8 says this. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And so there's this time, the cool of the day, in the evening, when God would go for a walk in his garden. In the Middle East, everyone goes for a walk in the evening because it's been hot all day and you sleep in the afternoon. And then the evening, you go out and there's a cool breeze. And God would go for a walk in the evening. But because we had failed him, because we were full of shame and fear, we hid. So God's walking in the garden in the evening, and we are hiding. And I don't know what language they spoke there, but in that language, until this time, there was no word for shame and no word for fear. But suddenly, Adam and Eve feel these things that they've never felt before, and so they hide. And so what you have is you have this kind of sequence at the beginning of the Bible. Creation, image, breath, commission, failure, fear, shame, hiding. And that's our story. That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> Thankfully, this is only scene one. And it's good. But that's our story. We're created in the image of God with his breath, with a high honor, with a commission. Go into the whole world and turn the chaos into a garden. But then we failed, and we're full of shame, and we're full of fear, and we hide from God. That's scene one, okay? Not a very nice scene. Then we come to scene two. Scene two is called, so that was one evening in Eden. Scene two is called one day in heaven. Now, we don't actually have this scene talked about specifically in the Bible, but we know it happened. And it went something like this. The heavenly father said to the heavenly son, look down there, you see that planet? Mankind has got stuck. I made them in my image with my breath, but they failed and now they're hiding in fear and shame. And now I'm sending you. I'm giving you the commission that I gave them. You know, the heavenly father said to the heavenly son, I want you to leave this heavenly garden, this paradise, where the angels all serve you and we all sing together all the time and I think they just eat together all the time in heaven, don't they? I mean, I, I don't know what we're going to eat in heaven. I know it's going to be good. But interestingly, there's going to be so many different nations in heaven, and everyone has different kinds of food. So what are we going to eat? Who's going to choose the food? I do know there will be a lot of Koreans in heaven. And Koreans eat dog. But heaven's going to be wonderful. And Jesus was there with the angels in the glory, feasting and worshiping. And the Father said, I want you to leave this wonderful environment. I want you to leave it. I want you to go into the chaos and darkness and pain that is planet Earth. So he gives him the same commission that Adam was given originally. Go into the chaos and bring my garden there. And so Jesus came essentially as a gardener. And he came sowing the seed, didn't he? He said, I'm sowing the seed. I'm preaching the word. Maybe it will find good soil. And then he's turning the, the desert that is our world 
into his kingdom. He's healing someone. He's setting someone free from oppression. He's setting someone free from fear. He's bringing the peace and the love and the kingdom of God into our chaotic world, into our chaotic lives. And Jesus was doing that. And then actually, Jesus himself was a seed. So he said, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it only remains one seed. But if it dies, it will produce many seeds. And when they buried Jesus, they thought, we've got rid of him. What they didn't realize was they were actually planting the seed of the kingdom. And out of his resurrection comes forth God's kingdom, new creation, glory. And so Jesus came with exactly the same commission that Adam had. He's in the image of the Father. He said, if anyone has seen me, he has seen my Father. He makes the invisible one visible. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. Is he kind? Is he merciful? Is he powerful? Does he care about truth? That's what God is like. So Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. He comes with the image of God. He comes with the breath of God on him. It said he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around healing all who are under the power of the devil. Hallelujah. And so Jesus comes, the same commission, in the image, with the breath of God. He did what we failed to do. What Adam couldn't do, Jesus did. Adam was overcome by the snake. Jesus crushed the snake on the cross. And God said to Jesus, you will then restore my image in the fallen sons and daughters of Adam. You will recreate my image. They could be born again in the image of God. That, that honor that we lost, we can have it back again in Christ. And that fear that we've, we've got now, we can be set free of that again. And so the image is restored and the commission is restored. Okay? And so we come to scene three, which is this one. So scene one was one evening in Eden. We were hiding in fear and shame. Scene two was one day in heaven when God said, I'm sending Jesus to do what mankind failed to do. And scene three happens here in John's Gospel in John, chapter 20 in the verses we just read. Because Jesus was crucified. He was buried. The seed was planted. Jesus was killed on which day of the week? Friday, which is day six. Yeah, because Sunday is day one. So day six is mankind's day. It's the day we were created, okay? Day seven is God's perfect day. Seven is the perfect number. Day seven was God's day of rest. So mankind has always been six. Six is our number, the number of not being good enough, the number of failure, the number of not quite getting to seven, yeah? Uh, and mankind, we live in that all the time, don't we? I wish I was better. I wish I was holier. I wish I was more disciplined. I wish I could run an Ironman marathon like Pete Cornford. And so mankind is number six. We've, we've never, we can't get to the rest of God. We can't get to day seven. We can't get to heaven. We can't get to that place. It's always trying and working hard, but never good enough. Six. That's our number. And Jesus died on day six of the week. He died on Friday. John 
the guy that wrote this gospel, he's an Easterner, yeah? The Bible is an Eastern book. Now, for Easterners, numbers are very symbolic and very important. And all the way through, John, you have this. On the first day of the week, on the sixth day of the week, on the seventh day of the week. And, and this is really important in the Bible, okay? And so Jesus is shown as dying on day six. He died representing mankind. Pilate says to him, this is the man. In other words, this is mankind. And Jesus, is, he dies representing all of fallen, full of shame, full of fear, in a mess, not quite good enough mankind. He dies on the cross. On day seven, the day of rest, what is Jesus doing? He's resting in the tomb. And then on the first day of the week, which is what he writes here, verse 19, on the, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, on the first day of the week, early in the morning, the Lord Jesus rises again from the grave. It's a new creation. It's day one again. It's a new beginning again. The old creation is finished and everything is starting anew. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. Old things have gone, the new thing has started. So when Jesus, and it's fascinating, in the bit just before this, we see that he rises again early in the morning, first day of the week, in, the, in a garden. There's a tomb in the garden. He comes out of death into the garden, and Mary thinks he's the gardener. It's actually quite insightful because he's come as a gardener to bring the garden of God, the kingdom of God, the new creation. And so this verse in uh, chapter 20 and verse 19 says, on the evening of that day, the first day, of the week, so it's the first day of the week, it's new creation, Jesus risen from the dead, but we see that it's evening. Okay? And we read in this verse, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And so it's exactly like scene one. In scene one, in the evening, God comes to walk amongst us, but we're hiding because of our fear and our shame. And here, it's evening, and Jesus, the Son of God, comes to walk amongst the disciples, but they're hiding for fear and for shame, and the doors are locked. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, the Bible's one big story. starts in Genesis, finishes in Revelation. You can't just, oh, I'll take a verse from here and a verse from here. We read it as a big story. And what happens here is that they're, why are they hiding? They're for fear of the Jews. If they killed Jesus, they'll probably kill us. So they're afraid. But also, they're a little bit afraid of Jesus, I think. Because Peter's thinking, I've just denied the guy, and he's died, but now he's back. And he's thinking, oh, what's he going to say to me? And shame. They've let him down. At the cross, we read the women were there. But where were the men? They've all run away. They're all hiding. They're all full of shame. And now they're thinking, he's alive. What's he going to say to us? What's he going to do to us? He's obviously powerful. We've obviously let him down and disappointed him. What's going to happen? And so they're in the room with the doors locked, hiding in their fear and shame, exactly like mankind has always done all the way through history, from Adam and Eve until now. And so Sam's prophetic word this morning was extremely relevant, pertinent to this. Because he said, I saw the doors open and I saw the throne room of God 
but I didn't feel that I could go in because of our shame. Shame is a power. We don't talk about it very much in England. We talk about it a lot in Turkey. Uh, one guy on our team, John, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, he's quite an English guy, John. A couple of weeks ago, he experienced the power of shame in his life for the first time. And he came to my house trembling. I was like, I've experienced the power of shame. It's hilarious. His car broke down. It was pouring with rain. So he parked his car half on the pavement and half in the main road. But it was right outside the school. And so all the mums are picking up their little kids from school, but then they've got to walk around the car, because it's on the pavement, into the main road where all the traffic is, where all the rain is pouring and kind of rushing down, with their little kids. And John's standing next to the car, and every person that walked past him said, you're such a shameful man. You're such a shameful man. Shame on you. Shame on you. And John said, I just felt like such a shameful man. He said, in the end, I left the car there, and I went and sat in the cafe across the road and watched from a distance. Who parked their car over there? What a shameful man. But shame is a power, and we feel it, and it imprisons us sometimes. And it stops us doing what God has called us to do. It stopped the disciples doing what God had called them to do. And fear is a power that imprisons us and that gets us in a room with the doors locked and stops us doing what God has called us to do. And I don't know what shame or what fear you have felt, but it can really trap us up inside, can't it? I prayed for someone to get better and they got worse. And so now I feel ashamed to talk to that person again because they'll think, oh, your prayers didn't work. I feel fearful to pray for anyone else again, because what if they get worse as well? And so I tried something, it didn't work, and now I'm trapped in my fear and my shame. I shared the gospel at work with my friend. Ever done that? Get up your courage. This person seems friendly. Stand by the photocopier. Do you know I go to church on Sunday? And they gossiped about me in the office and mocked me to everyone and made fun of me. I'm never going to try that again. I feel ashamed. I feel fearful. And so mankind has always been kind of trapped inside this kind of fear and shame. And the wonderful thing about this story, scene three that we're reading now, is this. It says, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said to them, shame on you. No, he said to them, peace to you. Wow, that's not what they were expecting. Peace to you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. I died for you. I love you. The cross was to take away your shame and to break the power of fear. You know, on the cross, an incredible thing happened. We read about it again in John. Jesus had a garment on him. And the men that were crucifying him took his garment off him and took it for themselves. And in the Bible, whenever you read about a garment or a clothing, it's talking about honor. And whenever you read about nakedness, it's talking about shame. And so Adam and Eve found out that they were naked and they hid because of their shame. You've ever felt that? I mean, apparently most men, this is what sociologists say, I don't know if it's true, most men often have a dream where they're going to stand up in front of a group of people and they realize that they're naked. 
It's because we've got this kind of deep sense of shame. Uh, you ever had that dream? I don't know. Is it just me? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and, and you think about the story of Joseph. His father wants to honor him, so he gives him a beautiful robe. His, his brothers want to shame him, so they rip the robe off him and send him away as a slave. And so garments always talk about honor and shame. And here Jesus, the honorable one, came from heaven, clothed in his righteousness, clothed in his glory. But on the cross, his honor was stripped from him and taken by the people that crucified him, by us. And so mankind, who've always been naked in our shame, we take Jesus' honor. The honorable one is made shameful so that the shameful ones may be made honorable. The clothed one was made naked so that us, the naked ones, could be clothed with his righteousness, with his honor, with his glory. The immortal one was made mortal so that the mortal ones could be made immortal. That's what was happening at the cross. And so when Jesus shows them his hands and his side, he's reminding them, as we will do when we take bread and wine in a moment, the cross changes all these things. It breaks the power of my shame. It sets me free from fear. Hallelujah. And then it said, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And so now we've got peace and joy. And so instead of fear and shame being our thing, and that ended on the cross, and with the resurrection, instead of fear and shame, we have peace and joy in Christ. And it says here, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So you've got, then got this kind of recommissioning. And it says, when he'd said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so exactly as at the beginning, he breathed on Adam and sent him. Now Jesus is doing exactly the same thing here to the church, to us. He says, receive the Spirit. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And so the question is, are we going to make the same mistake as the first Adam and Eve? Because so often, you know, we hear, oh, God says, I'm sending you. And we think, no, but I like the garden. It's nice here. I like coming to church and worshiping on a Sunday. It's nice here. But God says, yeah, but I breathe on you here to send you out there. And so what is your desert? What is your kind of darkness, your chaos, your outside place? Is it your workplace? Is it your neighborhood? Is it South Hall? Is it Perivale? Is it Acton? Is it a council estate? You know, where is it that is outside for you? Because what God is doing here is he's saying, I breathe on you. I give you my spirit, my power, my authority, my commissioning, so that you can go to those people. Do you know something? If you want to reach Southall, I lived in Southall for years. I love Southall. But if, you can't sit here and expect people to come to you. Most of the time, that's too difficult for people to do, culturally, religiously, emotionally. Like in Sam's picture, people feel ashamed to come through the doors into the presence of God. You've got to go to them. It's us who go. We don't wait for people to come, yeah? That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, don't stay inside with the doors locked. I'm amongst you. I'm breathing on you. And I'm saying, as the Father has sent me, I would send you, send you out there where the people are, where the darkness is, where the need is, where the lost are. You know, so often that the church is supposed to be a river. God said to Abraham, I'll bless you so that you can bless others in Genesis 12. It's supposed to be a, a river. 
I bless you, you bless others. But so often we dam it up and we turn it into a reservoir. God bless me and it stays here. We need a big reservoir, a beautiful reservoir in our church. But actually, the whole point of God blessing you is so that you can bless others, so that you can get out there where the people are, where the need is, yeah? And so what we're going to do now, we're going to come into a, a time of praying. We're going to break bread. Um, there's a few things that I feel that the Lord wants to do with different one of us. But for all of us and for us as a church, as a family, the word is this. If you feel fear or shame in your life, Jesus wants you to know that with the cross and the power of his death and resurrection, you can be free of those. He took your shame. He was shamed. Why did Jesus have to die publicly with all the old ladies spitting on him and cursing him? It's because all that shame was put on him. He was said, oh, you're the shameful man on the cross, cursed by God. All that shame was put on him so we could be free, delivered of it. And with the resurrection, the power of fear is broken over our lives. And today, the Holy Spirit is going to break the power of fear over some of our lives today. Because the spirit of fear gets... When I was telling those stories earlier about Tuba and about Shaban, some of you felt fear. That's the spirit of fear. It comes often into our hearts, sneaks in like that. Ooh. And I think God wants to set us free from that and give us instead peace and joy. Hallelujah. So I wonder if the musicians could come. I wonder if we could stand together. Because the Lord Jesus is here. This is his house. He's standing amongst us today. It's not evening. It is the first day of the week. It's Sunday. But the Lord Jesus is standing amongst us. We're his garden. We're his people. He loves being here. He loves walking amongst us. And he wants to show us his hands and his side. He wants to say, look at these wounds. Remember our friend? Look at my wound. Do you think this hurt? It was for you. And he wants to breathe upon us and say, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given so that we will go and be his image bearers in the world. So right now, allow the Lord Jesus to come to you. We're going to sing a song together. Allow the Lord to come to you, to speak to you, to breathe on you. I don't know if you've ever received the Holy Spirit. If Jesus has ever come to you and looked you in the eye and said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, receive my spirit. I feel the Lord wants to do that today to some of us. Okay? And also, as we sing, let's just lift our hands to the Lord. Oh. I do feel there are people here today under the power of shame. And what shame does is it, it, it makes you not want to show things to people. Maybe your finances are in a mess. You're in debt. You can't get out. But you feel ashamed about it, so you don't want to ask anyone for help. You're ashamed. Maybe you feel ashamed because 
never been able to buy a house. You've always been renting, renting, and you look around and, and you think, oh, I've just, I've never made it. I'm not good enough. Maybe you feel ashamed of your job. When people ask you what you do for a job, you don't want to tell them because you feel ashamed. I, f- I feel there's someone here today. There's a, a dad here today. You feel ashamed because of the way that you've behaved towards your children. You've got angry, you've shouted, maybe you've hit your kid. And you think, oh, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't have done that. And you feel ashamed today. Ashamed to come into the presence of God. I feel the Lord wants to say peace to you. Maybe you're here today, you feel ashamed because actually you're struggling with alcohol. You're not alcoholic, but every evening you sit down and you think, I want a beer, I want a beer, I want a beer. And you've, you've realized you can't stop yourself feel ashamed about that and I feel the Lord Jesus would come to you today and say peace to you I feel there's someone here today one of our sisters and this is a harder one but you you carry shame in your life because of something that was done to you when you were young and it, it defiled you it made you feel dirty and you've always carried that and the Lord Jesus wants to come to you today and say peace to you. And so let's just receive the Holy Spirit together, brothers and sisters. If you have fear in your heart, you could feel it. Even right now, you could feel fear in your heart. What about this? What about that? Just let the Spirit of God come to you today and set you free. We're going to sing this song together. I want us to keep receiving from the Lord. And then I'm going to invite some of us to respond for personal prayer. But the Holy Spirit is here. Let's enjoy his presence and sing together. Sometimes we need 
help just to receive the Spirit in some of these things. And we've got, obviously, brothers and sisters in the church that can pray. So I'd, I'd invite you to come to the front. If you are here today feeling, there's, there's, there's kind of a heaviness in the room. Like God is here, and he wants to do things in our hearts, but we need to just open ourselves to him a little. And as, we, as we've been singing, there's just a wonderful sense of the Lord amongst us. And so I'd encourage you to come uh, to the front. If, you'd like to, if you think, I've been struggling with fear, come and ask for prayer. And guys will pray for you now. If you're here saying, I've been struggling with shame, perhaps one of those specific things that were mentioned. Actually, you feel, I, I feel ashamed to come in, into God's presence sometimes. We, we'd love guys to pray for you. God's going to set you free today. And if you're here and you say, I, I've never received the Spirit in that way, where Jesus has said, I'm sending you to receive the Spirit. You're here saying, I want God to send me, but I need the courage. Then we'd invite you to come now. So please just come now to the front, and there's guys here that will pray for you, lay hands on you, minister the love of God to you. Please do come. I know there's some of us here that want to respond to these things. Come to the front. You feel the Lord is speaking to you in your heart about these things. Please come. There's, there's no shame in it. I think that's the thing. Isn't it? I can't respond to a shame thing publicly because I'll feel ashamed. But I think the grace of God is here. Let's not miss this moment today. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. pray for you now. Please, can guys come and pray for these, your prayer team or whoever does that. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. He's here. And I want to pray for you as a church right now, okay? Let's lift our hands. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're risen from the dead. I thank you that you're the God and are bringing the kingdom. I thank you that when you look at Ealing, you see the desert that it is. You see the garden that it could be and that it should be. I thank you that you call each one of us to go and bring the seed of the gospel out into the desert that is this borough. I pray right now for every single one here in Jesus' name. Would you set us free, Lord, from the power of fear and from the weight of shame? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit and would you send us as the Father sent the Son would you send us out? Would you fill us up and would you send us out? Lord, would this be a church that is out in the workplace, in the city, where the people are, meeting people? I pray you send people from here into homes in Southall. I pray you send people from here into estates in Acton. I pray that we'd find that where the need is, that's where Redeemer Church is, redeeming and bringing the kingdom there. I pray for each one here in Jesus' name that we'd know your power, that we'd know your authority, that we'd know your anointing, that we would know peace and joy. Thank you, Father, for this church. Thank you, Father, that you're using us, that you're using us failed humans in your kingdom. Hallelujah. Thank you for your grace, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.